It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast, podcast where we get to talk to coaches all over the United States, where we recap everything happening in college football, college basketball, NFL, maybe a little bit of the NBA, not sure yet, who cares about the NBA, 
And we'll have a segment where we talk about movies and entertainment and everything else. But mainly we're going to be discussing sports all over for NFL college football. And I recap the Chicago Bears and Illinois football. If you're looking for all that, this is the place for you. This is the podcast for you. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, the Coach Steve Show YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button, the like button, leave a comment in the comment section down below. You can follow this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, literally anywhere. And wherever you listen to your podcast, please give it a some type of review. I know on Apple you can give it some type of star review. Uh, be a friend, tell a friend. Um, this podcast is also brought to you by the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go to bellyupsports.com and check out every single podcast, blog, everything else on my website. There's a ton for everybody. Betting season is in full swing. And if you head on over, a good place to make your bets is MyBookie. If you go to mybookie.ag and use the code BELLYUPFANTASY on your first deposit. It's going to double your first deposit, so that's free money. And who does not like free money, guys? Come on. So you go to mybookie.ag, use the code BELLYUPFANTASY, all one word. It's going to double your first deposit. This podcast is also brought to you by Coach Stone Football and his Back to the Basics books. If you're a football coach like me and you're heading into your offseason season and you're looking for ways to get better, looking for different drills and everything else like I'm going to be doing, this is the perfect place. His first book, Back to the Basics, it's literally 500 pages of drills. If So if you head to CoachStoneFootball.com and check out – all, I can't even keep up with all the books he puts out. But I'm greatly appreciative that he sent me a bunch of books to check out, especially for this offseason. Um, literally, if you go buy these books, you will never have to look up another drill ever again as long as you live. Um, so if you go to CoachStoneFootball.com, check out all the books and everything that he has on there. He does even youth camps and all. He travels all over the world to do these camps. So if you go check all that out, that'd be greatly appreciated. We thank him for uh, sponsoring this podcast. And if you're looking for an energy drink that's going to help for that midday pick-me-up, but you don't want the crash that happens after an hour, um, and maybe even two hours or less, um, if you're looking for some type of pre-workout before going to the gym or going on the run, uh, but you don't want the the, the the crazy jitter. Some like the jitter, some don't. If you're looking for that just perfect uh, caffeine that you're just looking for, then you need to go to Swift Lifestyles, swiftlifestyles.com. They have a clean nutritional drink um, that's going to help you for any part of your day. If you're a gamer on Twitch, they're big on helping sponsor gamers. So if you're, that, if you're into that, uh, they will try to sponsor you. Just go uh, connect with them. Um, so if you go to swiftlifestyles.com and it's not going to be an energy drink in a can it's going to come in a tub just like a pre-workout i got the bubble gum flavor and it tastes exactly like old school bubble gum back in the day when you were a kid playing youth uh, baseball chewing on the gum it's it's perfect for that so if you go to swiftlifestyles.com use the code coach steve show all one word you're going to get 15 percent off your order and it's not a website that has overwhelming all this stuff that you have no idea it's got clean nutrition in it um, I drink it every morning. It's the perfect way to get your brain going, get work going. And then it, what's great about it is you don't crash later. It's not one of those that says drink this and have no more caffeine the rest of the day. It does not have a lot of caffeine in it, caffeine in it at all. So if you drink it in the morning, a little bit later, you want to drink it again, drink it again. A little bit later, have something else. Great. But it's a perfect way to help for that midday pick me up right when you wake up. So go to swiftlifestyles.com, code Coach Steve Show, all one word, get 15% off. So Illinois, I had to travel to Minnesota to play the Minnesota Gophers. Um, 
And they came away with another win. Minnesota was number 20 in the nation, leading that side of the Big Ten. They were sitting at 6-2, and 4-1 and one in conference. They, Minnesota was that team that nobody really knew what to expect. Were they going to come in and be the 11-2 and two team? Were they going to come in and be a team that's just down? P.J. Fleck is going to be questioned if he was coaching good enough, if he is just a recruiter, is he just a CEO, you know, what's going on with that team. Illinois was coming in, um, you know, after that tough loss. Well, they came in after upsetting Penn State in the longest college football game there was in nine overtimes, and then they lose to Rutgers where the rules had flip-flopped. They couldn't really get the run game going, but Brandon Peters came in and passed the ball pretty well and did enough for them to compete and win. So a lot of people thought going into, for Illinois going into Minnesota, I think Illinois only had an 18% chance of winning. So if, to come out with a 14-6 to six win is huge. And then Illinois jumped on them, you know, 14 nothing at halftime. And then Illinois never scored again. And uh, Minnesota did not score till the fourth quarter. If you guys went and listened to my Illinois pregame, everything I said, almost everything, was needed for Illinois to do to win this game. I said this coming in, Minnesota was a run team. And if they get the run game going, it allows Morgan, their quarterback, to play better. So coming in, I said Illinois' defense had to step up. And uh, contrary to common belief, if anybody's watched Illinois or they're just looking at scores, looking at the record, if you actually watch the defense, the defense has played a lot better. The defense has actually stepped up and it's understanding the roles that Coach Bielma wants and Coach Walters wants. They are understanding the front four, their defensive line's playing better. And I said coming into this game, when you watch them play Rutgers, they really were playing their 3-4. Now, they'd have a stand-up guy off the edge to rush, but and so it essentially becomes a four-man front. But I said they really just need to have four down linemen, stuff up the middle, get into that 4-2-5 look, or even a 4-4 look, bring your outside backers down, your safeties down, fill in the run game, force Minnesota to pass the ball, take away the run game, and just say, okay, you're better at running the football than you are passing. You're good at both. We're going to try to just force you to pass the ball. Now you're going to get some of your run yards, and you have to live with that because that's what they're good at. But I said Illinois' defense has to come down and play that way, and guess what? By God, they did. Now they didn't do it because I said so. It's just because the defense has been playing a lot better. And if you're going to play a team like Minnesota, you have to take away something. Again, I've said this a lot if you've listened. Just making a team one-dimensional does not necessarily mean that you're going to beat them. doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best way to beat somebody. Um, unless maybe you're like, okay, when we're going to play Mike Leach in the air raid, we are going to force him into running the ball. Well, he's mad, he's, he's a mad scientist to work. No matter what you do, he's going to figure out how to get the ball in the passing game. But when you're playing a team like Illinois, the thing for Illinois is you got to take away the run game and just hope that the quarterback, if they're going to beat you, the quarterback has to beat you. Minnesota, coming in, they averaged over 200, I think it was 220, 27 rushing yards. That's what they get. So when I said coming in, Illinois is just going to have to force them to pass the ball. Minnesota's rushing on the day. They only got 89 yards of rushing. So, we did what we had to do. Now, then I said, you have to keep that offense on the sideline. We had the ball for 30 minutes. They had it for 29. So, you know, we kind of did our best there. We did not turn the ball over. 
But defensively, you said, okay, Minnesota, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to pass the ball. Run game-wise, the offensive line did not quite do its job for them, but Illinois' defensive line played very tough. They got their hands on to drive them back. When you have your four down linemen and you two-gap them, it allows your two inside backers and your outside safeties or your outside linebackers to come up and make the play. That is exactly what Illinois did. Coach Walters likes to play a one-high safety. So when you see a one-high safety, though, you have to be prepared for some type of vertical game, crossing routes, dig routes to come in behind. When it's a two-high, you're going to invite the team to run the ball. So when Illinois was sitting in their top one-high safety, that told Minnesota, if you're going to, it's going to be tough for you to run the ball. Now, they tried, but it, it invites a little bit of the pass game, but they were okay with that. Illinois was perfectly fine saying, okay, now once in a while we're going to drop a linebacker back. We're going to drop another safety back. But you're going to have to pass the ball to beat us. Minnesota had 200 yards passing. There was 16 of 29. I averaged 6.9 yards. But but here, here was the big thing. Morgan threw two interceptions. So to Illinois, they said, we are going to force them to pass the ball. Hopefully they make a mistake or we're able to cover the wide receivers. They played. We played a lot of man. We would jump into a, sometimes once in a while, cover two zone. We would drop a guy back, you know, cover one robber. We played some zero coverage. They didn't really know where we were going. We were lined up. We were out formation them at times on defense. We said, you have to pass the ball to beat us. And 200 yards passing seems like a lot, but that's just enough to where you put yourself in a situation to win. And their quarterback made more mistakes throwing two interceptions. So on defense, Illinois did exactly what they were. I thought they should do. Force them into passing. You take away one thing. Now, if Minnesota got the run game going, would have been a long day. But they Minnesota made the mistakes. Uh, they could not get the run game going, so kudos to the defense of Illinois. Now in Illinois' offense, we have to figure out how to score more points, which is going to come when we get some wide receivers. We get uh, no offense to Brandon Peters and them because the report says Brandon Peters has been a good leader. He's been very positive. That's fantastic. Now we just need the talent to go with that. But on offense, they got back to what they do. I will say, um, I said Brandon Peters was going to have to play better, but the run game is going to have to get a lot better. So Illinois did 48 rushing attempts. We had 185 yards rushing. Now, here's the crazy thing. We only had 265 total yards, and we still win the game. Minnesota had 289, which is crazy. We only had 80 passing yards, so this kind of sounded like another Penn State game. Brandon Peters was 7-9 for 80 yards, and he had a touchdown, so that's good. Uh, but what, 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 um, we'll get to the other thing I want to say, but Chase Brown is just a man amongst boys. Carried the load. He had 32 carries. I am worried about him running the ball a ton on his body. He had 100, 147 rushing yards. Brandon Peters actually was our second leading rusher with 21 yards. Um, Receiving-wise, you know, of course, we only had 80, 80 yards of receiving. Isaiah Williams, our best receiver, probably only had four yards. Casey Washington stepped up. He, I mean, we only had seven catches. So Illinois is just saying, you're going to take – we have to get the run game going. After Rutgers, they said, we got to get the run game going. And I said, for Illinois' defense to do what they do, I said on offense, we've got to get the run game going. Brandon Peters just has to make short throws, and we have a chance to win. 
Now I think they should pass the ball more <laughs> after the confidence he had, the way he played against Rutgers, if he gets that type of confidence, uh, should be able to do something like that. But he did what he had to do for us to win the game. If we're if he's seven and nine for eighty yards and we win the game, fantastic. Now scoring fourteen points is not going to get it done. But as a fan, you take what you can get and to win the game. Coach Bielma said he wants to run the ball. He wants to take as much time to score as he can. So you're going to take it as an Illinois fan. Like I said, if you go listen to my Illinois preview, most of what I said needed to happen for them to win, and it happened. That defense is taking huge steps forward because you have Coach Bielma, um, contrary to proper belief, as a defensive guy. He's an offensive line guy and a defensive line guy, which is a very strange combination. But the defense did exactly what they had to do against Minnesota's offense, make them one-dimensional, and just say, okay, we got to force it. Now in that one high, watching the game, Minnesota was doing things that I didn't like, so Illinois got to be careful as the rest of the year goes on. You start playing the one high. You start opening yourself up for play action seams, quick pop throws, not deep throws necessarily, but you're getting guys to run a vertical right behind your uh, outside safety linebacker, RPO type of thing where they read. If he comes down, you throw it immediately right behind him. You saw, and I might get to it in a different one, if you watch the uh, Tennessee-Kentucky game, Tennessee was doing it all game. They went to their up-tempo. Kentucky was caught in a one-high. They did an RPO play action to it right behind the guy, and they scored on it once or twice. So Illinois had that a couple times, but they didn't allow them to score on it. They kept everything in front of them. Minnesota still just wanted to run the football, so they were trying to really force that issue. Um they did have 35 rushing attempts, so they really were forcing it, but we held them to 2.5 yards a rush. So when we forced Minnesota to be uncomfortable, it really put us in a good situation. And now it would have been nice to score a little more points. But Illinois was not going to force the issue. Their defense was playing well. They were going to stick to the run game. Um, I think as the Coach Bielma era goes on, you're going to see more run schemes. Right now, Illinois is big on uh, wide zone, inside zone you're starting to see like the pin and pull off of that once in a while you might see a little bit of power and everything and I think coach Bielma and, and coach uh, Miller I don't want to put words in their mouth but I know they may want to get into a power scheme but right now they focus on what they can do and what they can do is wide zone inside zone and pin and pull to get to the outside uh, and I'm tired of the announcer saying when they see two guards pulling yeah look at the wide zone or outside zone no that's I mean, yeah, you could call it a full block, but to me it looks like pin and pull or a buck sweep. But to me it's probably a pin and pull since they're so big on zone. So quit calling it outside zone when it's wide zone or two guards are pulling to get to the outside. It is not wide zone. Um, but Illinois did what they had to do to get it done. Ran the ball pretty well. Chase Brown is carrying the load for them. Um, he looks like he's in good shape, so hopefully you know he stays healthy. Uh, if you only have to pass it nine times and complete it seven times to win the game, go for it. Coach Bielema is fine with these 14. I'm sure he'd rather it be 21-6 or 28-6 or even 14 nothing to him. I'm sure he'd rather have that, but he understands where they are as a program. This is, I mean, you upset Penn State on the road when they're number seven in the nation, I believe, or something like that. Now you upset number 20 Minnesota. So Illinois is just on the upset party. This was just the, one of the first dominoes to fall in this college football weekend, and we'll get to it later on. Uh, but this was a great win for Illinois in the program. To, right now they're sitting at four and six. Uh, they do get a bye week this week to kind of recoup, recuperate. Then they get two really tough games with Iowa uh, homecoming for Coach Bielema. 
going to Iowa. Now he's played Iowa when he coached at Penn State or Wisconsin. But it's going to be a little homecoming for him. They don't play them till uh, November 20th, and then they end the regular season against Northwestern on the 27th. They've got to win these last two games to make a bowl game at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, But it's a tall order to go to Iowa to beat them. But Illinois has beat number 7 Penn State. Uh, they beat a Nebraska team that's playing tough with a lot of teams. So who's to say to go in right now? Iowa is 22 as I'm recording this. So who's to say they can't go in and upset them? They're both going to play similar ball. Iowa and Illinois are both going to look to run the ball. And we'll get to a preview later on. And then they've got to play Northwestern, which Northwestern is trying to say that they're the team in Illinois, not the University of Illinois. Uh, but So Illinois has got a tough, tough haul ahead of them. But, you know, if the offense continues to run the ball, do what they do, uh, they will be just fine. And Brand, they may have to throw it a little more than nine times. But again, what what I said, what Illinois had to do in order to win the game, and they did exactly that. So, congrats to Illinois and the final line. I and Coach uh, Brent Bielema did exactly what they needed to do to win. Um, we are also because we got an action-packed week for you. Um, this episode will be coming out after. You know, we have a Chicago Bears preview, and then we have another thing. But this is going to be an action-packed week. we got different episodes. So as we do the Illinois preview, we are going to discuss what happened in the Big Ten in Week 10. Big, big time. All over college football, but in the Big Ten. We're going to leave the big one for last. One of the ones to talk about, uh, I'm going to go from the bottom here. Penn State went to play Maryland. Penn State is finally getting back on track. Uh, Tugger Vanola, he had 371 passing yards, so he's getting back on track. But Penn State is slowly figuring it out again. Uh, I'm not saying Maryland is this you know, big-time win for them, but they started to figure out they went 31-14. to 14. Um, Penn State's going to slowly figure it out, but Penn State's got a tough haul ahead of them and their schedule as well. Um, we're going to look at their schedule, but that's a big time win for Penn State to try to get back on track. You know, they kind of fallen off, you know, to beat a good Wisconsin's figuring it out now. Um, so, you know, to beat a Wisconsin team, beat Auburn. Um, now I know they lost out. Then they've gone this, you know, this stretch where they played Ohio State tough. Now they've got a tough stretch, Michigan, and then end the year with Michigan State. But they got, they, they need this. Penn State needed this for their confidence. Iowa traveled to Northwestern. Iowa has fallen off. I think it's because I said they were going to make the college football playoff or win the Big Ten. I have no idea. It's probably looking like Ohio State or Michigan's going to win the Big Ten this year. Something like that. Um, Northwestern's starting to play a lot tougher than they have. Iowa squeaked away with a 17-12 to win. Um, Northwestern was right there knocking on the door to win. Just could not finish. But Iowa did just enough, and now they they have to you know, have a tough schedule themselves. But Illinois is going to have to play them next. And we're going to see what happens with that game. But Iowa's just kind of uh, falling off a little bit. Um, Their schedule, they got to play Minnesota, who's coming off that tough loss versus Illinois. Then Illinois and Nebraska. Nebraska's played very tough. But Iowa's probably not going to win the Big Ten now. It's unfortunate. Wisconsin is starting to find a groove. People wrote them off. Even back when Purdue played them and people thought that Purdue was going to beat them. And I said, no, they watching them play Illinois. And I know it's Illinois, but Illinois' defense is playing a lot better. I'm trying to tell people, you've got to watch Illinois' defense. They're playing way better than they have. Now, they could. it was hard for them to stop Wisconsin's run game. If Wisconsin gets that run game going, 
Then you got Mertz. I know it's Rutgers, but Mertz to throw for 240 yards. They start to get some confidence and find this groove. And I'm not saying they're going to win at all. Not going to say any of that. But they're not a bad team. And I said that. Like, yeah, they were trying to figure it out. They were a young team, replacing a lot. They're trying to figure out what they can do. They're starting to find a groove. I mean, 52 to 3, they beat Rutgers. And Rutgers is not a, a weak team by any means. So people wrote them off. But Wisconsin needs this. They need to figure out the passing game and the run game for them to continue to do what they're doing, to look at their schedule. I mean, they're sitting at 6 and 3 right now. They're number one in the Big Ten West right now. They got Northwestern, who they probably will beat. They've got Nebraska, who they're probably going to beat. And the way Minnesota, if Wisconsin's going to look at the Illinois film and say, this is how we're going to beat them, they'll probably beat them. So you can see Wisconsin ending on a three-game run here to finish 9-3 and and win first in the West. Because Minnesota, you know, that's going to be that. So they could find their way into the Big Ten championship game. I mean, it's not out of the question for them to make it there. So just watch out for those Wisconsin Badgers. I tried to tell people as they tried to figure it out. Um, A game I got to watch more of was Michigan and Indiana. Now, Indiana played Michigan really tough in the first half. Now, Indiana's had some injuries. They're playing different quarterbacks all over the place. You know, Michigan coming off the tough loss versus Michigan State. Did not look rattled. The defense played way better, and I know it's Indiana. Michigan comes away 29-7. But the defense, when you watch the way they played, played a lot better. And the Michigan offense just took what they gave them. They are going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, take short passes. They weren't going to, like, you know, open up the entire playbook versus Indiana because I think they even know Indiana's got – they've lost some players from graduation. They've had some injuries. They're playing they're their second or third quarterback of the year. So Michigan has just got to win games like this, 29-7, to to get some confidence leading up because I don't like Ohio State. So on a part of me wants Michigan to finally get to Ohio State, but this is what they need to do. To, to go beat Michigan or Ohio State. And if certain dominoes fall and they're able to do that, they might squeak their way into the playoff. But they're going to be ranked pretty high. You know, they're number seven right now. I'm sure they're going to be ranked either number seven again or maybe just move up to six. Not saying this was a huge, impressive win, but this is what they need to do. They can't fall into trap games because when you look at Michigan State's um, schedule from here on out, they just beat Indiana. Now Penn State's going to be sneaky. Penn State's playing a lot better. So they've got to win that one. But if Michigan can beat them, I could see them beating Maryland. Then we're going to talk Ohio State here in a second. But if their offense can continue to play the way they played and their defense can do just enough, they can might squeak it out against Ohio State. I know some Ohio State fans that are really watching that. Now, one that kind of – not the one that surprised everybody, but the one that kind of – the first surprise – of the Big Ten this week besides Illinois. I guess second. Illinois being Minnesota. Then Ohio State, Nebraska. The one time I make a bet with Ohio State to go minus 14 and a half, they cannot do it. Now Ohio State wins 26 to 17. This is what happens with Scott Frost during his tenure at Nebraska. He loses to teams he probably shouldn't like, no offense, to Illinois. Loses to other teams. But then as the season goes on, either beat somebody that they're not supposed to, or they play very, very, very tough. Nebraska was on the verge of scoring again to tie this up or to go on and try to get to overtime. It took 405 passing yards from C.J. Stroud for them to win the game. But they did not play bad. 
Nebraska played them very, very, very tough. I mean, Martinez was 16 of 31, 248 yards a touchdown. Now he did have the interception. The wide receiver, a tour, I'm going to say his name wrong, had 150 receiving yards. So they played tough. Like to take Ohio State all the way to the end and make them play all four quarters of football. I believe last year Ohio State really whipped them. So to take them all the way was very impressive. Where Nebraska kind of hurt themselves was on third down. They were 2 of 13. Um, Now, they did hold Ohio State to only 90 yards of rushing. So they forced them to pass. And Ohio State, and you know, believe it or not, they want to run the football. When you look at last year when they had two running backs that averaged over 150 yards a game, they want to run the football and the pass game just takes care of itself. They pushed Ohio State to the to the brink of like, okay, we have to pass the ball a lot. 36 to 54 passing attempts. And they had 405 yards of passing, only 495 yards total offense. Not only, but that's what they had. So Nebraska's defense said, okay, we're going to take the run game away from you and you have to beat us passing and forcing them to pass the ball like that to only score 26 points. So again, I've said this from the get for a while. If, if, and O'Dron's going to lose his job, and we don't, I don't want to, I don't know what's happening outside the locker room. If Dan Mullen, and we'll get to that episode later on in the week, if he still has a job and being talked about all this stuff, how does Scott Frost still have his job? I don't like calling for people's jobs, but I call like I see it when these people talk about all these other coaches. How does he still have a job? Is it because of games like this where they play very tough and they're on the verge? Well, then here's my opinion if you're on the verge, because how many times has Scott Frost taken a game all the way to the end like this and just not to be able to win it? Now, at the beginning years when this happens, you blame the coaches no matter what. But in the grand scheme of things, when this happens, it comes down to, well, the players just aren't executing, which is true at the beginning. Now that you've been here a couple times, now I I firmly believe that in coaching that coaches get the blame, but deep down when you go back and everybody looks at it, yes, the players have to execute. But who gets blamed? The coach. So right now you're this close all the time. What's the common denominator? It's Scott Frost and the coaching staff. Excuse me. So, part of me, again, I've said that. Maybe it's time for him to go. Maybe it's time for them to go back to the Big 12. I don't know. But Nebraska does this. They they take teams they're not supposed to and beat them, or they take them all the way to the end. And this is probably why Scott Frost has kept his job, because like, oh, they're so close, they're so close, they're so close. But but you're not getting it done. So at some point, you have to sit there and say, great, we are so close, but we're not getting it done. We need to bring someone in that's going to get it done. There are some athletes at Nebraska. They just aren't getting it done. You're not making the proper adjustments to the players you have or you know, in the game. Who's calling the plays? Is it Scott Frost? Is it somebody else? We don't really know, or at least I don't know. But at some point, you have to stand there and say, Okay, like, what's the common denominator here? It is Scott Frost, but they were so close. They took Ohio State to the brink. It took Ohio State all four quarters to beat them. So, I mean, congratulations to Nebraska, but I think it's time to move on and get a different coach. And I, if they're not going to get rid of him at this point, then they'll wait till the end of the year. So I, I foresee him being gone at the end of the year. If he's not, then Nebraska is, because Nebraska is a historical program that wins football games and wins all of this. And I think if they don't get rid of him, they are finally kind of 
which I say this about Michigan and Notre Dame, at some point you got to just accept we are not those teams of the past. This is who we are. Now we want to get to that point, but we can't walk around and act like we do because it's, it's Alabama that does it. It's Clemson that does it. I guess you could put Ohio State in that category, but if they don't get rid of them, then they finally are going to admit who they are, and they're fine with what they're doing, but I could see him being gone. But the biggest, one of the biggest surprises in the, the biggest surprise in the Big Ten, and then one of the top surprises of all college football was Michigan State and Purdue. Michigan State came off a big win against Big Brother Michigan, and they got put at number three in the college football playoff that came out. So they go play Purdue. Everybody and their mama probably thought Michigan State was going to come in and beat Purdue. Not necessarily saying they were going to beat them by 20 or 30 or 40, because Purdue, we've already seen, upset Iowa and can play teams pretty tough. And Purdue is known for this. But the way Michigan State's been playing, they have Walker, they have P.J. Thorne, the way their defense plays. I'm sure everybody and me thought they were going to to win this. Believe it or not, took a bet on it, said minus two and a half Michigan State. And I was like, well, that's a no-brainer. That's easy money. Purdue coming away with a huge upset, 40-29. to 29. People forget, and including myself, Purdue is a passing, can be a passing team. I don't believe they really run like the air raid, but you see more a pro-style passing thing, kind of like what you saw at LSU, but they'll do it differently. Their quarterback, O'Connell, was 40 of 52 for 436 yards and three touchdowns. Like, they did not have to pass the ball at all. They had 594 total yards, 536 through the air. And only turned the ball over once. Michigan State turned it over twice. Time of possession was really where Purdue, you know, Purdue had the ball for 35 minutes. Michigan State only had it for 24. I don't really, the easy thing for me to say, you know, outside looking in and the easy way, and especially if you want to call me, I don't know if you want to call that I work in the media, it's not my job, but I'm a podcaster, you know, recapping sports, talking sports. It's easy to sit here and say that they overlooked Purdue. Now, I don't think they did because Mel Tucker, you know, coaching with a Nick Saban, getting this team where it is, I don't want to sit here and say they overlooked. And maybe they did. But who would they overlook Purdue for? Maryland? Or are they looking towards Ohio State? But that's not for two weeks. So I don't think they overlooked them. But there is times where players have to learn how to win. Now, I know that's a weird thing for me to say because they've won all their games up until this point. But if you look at their schedule, and this is kind of where people talked about, you know, their strength of schedule, they beat Northwestern, uh, YSU, now Miami, but at the time it was a big win, but Miami's not very good. Nebraska. Western Kentucky, Rutgers, Indiana, and then you beat Michigan. Now, the Michigan one, you have to give them. Now, this is only Mel Tucker's second year, and you coach however you want, but those kids are going to read headlines, and you can't control that as a coach. You can say what you want, and hopefully it buys in. 
you see the Georgias players figure it out. You see the Alabama players figure it out. Up until this year, Clemson figures it out. Most of the time, Ohio State figures it out. So I think Mel Tucker knows how to handle winning, and his coaching staff, I'm sure. But after you come off a big win against Michigan, that's an emotional game because it's a big-time rivalry game. You're scheduled really high. Michigan was number six in the nation. And then you get put as top three in the college football playoff. So now the next step in this culture building that you have to do, we're undefeated. People aren't giving us the respect. We beat Michigan. We get the respect. We get in the college football playoff top three or top four. We're number three. Now you've got to handle what comes next, which is they're going to talk about us as a team. They're going to talk about our strength of schedule of who we beat, who we haven't beat, who we played, who we haven't played. And then we got to handle the winning. We've got to handle this situation. And we can't overlook anybody. and We can't take anything for granted. Now, Purdue is always that team that's going to beat you when you're... They've beaten like an Ohio State before when they're up high. They've beaten now Michigan State. They've beaten... Like, they do this. So they should have known already that Purdue has a good coaching staff. They have a good head coach. So they do these things. So I'm not saying Mel Tucker... I am sure Mel Tucker and his coaching staff got them ready to play. But you are dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-olds... And with the social media, are going to read what's going on. And I'm not saying this has happened. I'm not saying this at all, that this is exactly what happened. I'm not saying it did happen. I give all the credit to Purdue to come in. Their defense had to come in and stop Kendall Walker. He Now, he had 146 yards, which is a lot. But they slowed him down. I mean, Michigan State got theirs. I mean, Thorne had 276 yards, two touchdowns. Walker had 146 yards and a touchdown. But Michigan State's defense did not step up. They did not play well at all. Purdue made big-time plays. They came ready to play. Passing game was over. So now they've shown weakness in Michigan State of, if you can get some time in the pocket, you can pass on this team. Now back to what I was saying. So now the next step is how to win and handle winning. Ohio State figures it out. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, they figure it out. Oregon is slowly figuring Like That's what comes next. So the Michigan State players, I'm not saying overlooked them. Maybe they thought the way they've been playing, they can walk in and play them. But Purdue came and punched them in the face, and Michigan State did not respond. So from the outside looking in, the next part of the culture building is learn how to win. And I'm sure Mel Tucker probably said something somewhere of, we're winning, we have all this pressure now on us, how you handle this pressure no matter who we're playing. And you know what? This is a loss Michigan State probably wants, so that way they get out of the way. They are probably going to be out of the top four in the college football playoff. And it's weird for me to say, well, are you sure they want a loss like that? Yes, because now it kind of hits the reset and say, look, you got to learn how to handle winning. Now you got to learn how to handle losing. Now we, now they're going to go play Maryland, who's going to give them a the tough shot. And then they got Ohio State. If they can beat Ohio State, then now they, now they've turned the corner in the culture building in Mel Tucker. But Purdue is not a bad team. They are they are six and three. They are six and three. If you look at their schedule real quick before we wrap this up, they beat Oregon State, which is playing better. Now UConn, eh. They did lose to Notre Dame, but it was a close game. They beat Illinois, who has beat top teams. They lose to Minnesota, who's a top team, but it was close. They beat Iowa. Now they beat Wisconsin. They lost to Wisconsin, but they're playing a lot better. They didn't beat Nebraska, who took Ohio State to the wire. 
then they beat Michigan State. Now, if Purdue beats Ohio State, then we then it's gonna just you know then it's whoa. But if they can play Ohio State a lot closer, okay, they're doing better. I'm sure Purdue could probably beat Northwestern and Indiana. So Purdue is not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but it is what it is. Um, I believe they're tied in the West. Yes, right now you got like a three-way tie in the West. Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Purdue. And I guess you could put Iowa up there and their conference are all four and two. So it's just crazy in the Big Ten right now. But yeah, Michigan State's just got to turn the corner and figure out how to handle winning, um, how to handle all of that. I'm not saying this is what happened. And I know in the media we say, well, how do we know that's really happened? I hate when they say that. But for being a coach outside looking in, that's what you do. But at the end of the day, Penn, or Purdue played better than Michigan State. You know, that's an emotional game you have against Michigan. And now you've got to turn around and do it right then and there. And that's the next step. Alabama's perfected it. Clemson up until this year has perfected it. Georgia's perfecting it. It's not just the next step. If Mel Tucker leaves and go to LSU, he's going to have to do it all over again. But if he stays at Michigan State, then watch out for next year because now they're going to figure that out and all that. But crazy week in college football altogether, but it was crazy in the Big Ten as well. Um, you know, that was that was the big shock for Purdue to beat Michigan State. Now they're going to be out of the college football playoff top four for right now. They might find their way to squeak back in, but for right now they're probably going to be out. But Purdue is a good team. But um, So that's going to wrap up this episode. We did our Illinois-Minnesota uh, recap, Big Ten football recap. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Go check out all the weekly episodes. Go check out all the affiliates in the description below. Um, again, stay tuned for all the weekly episodes. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, big time episodes coming out. Um, hopefully we can continue to do this. Uh, my schedule is going to be all crazy. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. Go go do all that for me, please, and thank you. Take that time every day to do it. Um, this has been another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. And just like Michigan State and the football playoff top four, we're gone. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.